they're little humans that we created and that energetic field is so beautiful that we should treat them as such. And then it gives them also the safety to be able to express themselves and not hide things. Children tend to think that they need to hide things because parents and and even teachers are the authority. So when we do this and we show them that there's a celebration and honesty and journeying and mistakes, if you want to call them that, and the growth, then they come along with you. And that bond is so deep. Raise 1000 Voices is the podcast on a mission to raise the voices of the clever, creative and courageous women across the world. I am your host, Jacqueline Nagel, and I invite you to join me in conversations with women who will inspire and empower you as we explore just how to lift our levels of self-trust, to reclaim the narrative and to use our voice to go after exactly what we want, doing it with strength, power and grace. I am really looking forward to this particular conversation on Raise 1000 Voices with the fabulous Nicole Hamilton. Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I am really excited as well. What I would love to do, Nicole, is just find out where in the world you are right now. I'm in South Australia. Oh, love South Australia. Anywhere in particular or are you just kind of drifting around? Uh, So I'm really close to the Barossa, so I'm like five minutes from Gawler amazing for those people who aren't familiar with Australia Barossa is one of my favorite places in Australia it's full of wines and great food and beautiful scenery it's a great place to be coming to us from Nicole I know you and have come to know you very quickly for the work that you do with a very innovative work with coaching children and creating interventional work for children that's going to save trauma in future generations so that's how I've come to know you can you walk our audience through how you've come to be here? Like just a five quick minute overview of Nicole Hamilton's life to date. I will try. I love to talk. So I will try and do it in five minutes. Okay. So a little diverse. I came into this world 10 years ago because I was actually an ice addict. Okay. And wow, conventional doctors and counselors and drug and alcohol counseling did not work for me. So I went searching and as the universe provides, I met this amazing, holistic, energetic, hypnotherapy wizard, I call him. And in one session, I knew I would get sober. I'd be with my kids and I saw light and I'd leave my ex-husband. That's a whole separate podcast right there. Anyway, from then on, for the last 10 years, I've studied and I've just studied so many different modalities. I've got my diploma in hypnosis, clinical hypnotherapy, a lot of energetic healing, positive language, meditation. And every single time I learned something for adults, and I've coached hundreds and hundreds of adults across the board as well in addiction and the rest, everything downloaded to me to play this with kids. I'm a mum of three now. Yeah. And so it's like, why are we not playing these games for emotional regulation, for trauma work, for anxiety, anger, whatever that is for kids? And for me, that's my superpower. Every time I learn something, I'm like, oh. I could do this with chalk or this with bubbles or this and use that healing holistic stuff for children. And that's led me to now where I've branded myself the kids coach and all my whole philosophy is supporting parents and carers, holding space for their children and walking them through the stuff while they're going through it at four or seven or 12 or teenage years, not waiting till we're 20, 30 or 40 and made all the mistakes that we had to because we suppressed these emotions. Let's support them now. So for me, it's a very personal journey. 
yeah as to why my son is also autistic so i'm in the area of working with children with disabilities and adhd and the rest and supporting them holistically you know and coming from that beautiful heart space and being that role model and mentor and showing them that they can achieve anything that they want to with the right love and support i fell in love as you know i fell in love instantly with the work that you're doing the approach that you're taking what's the difference that you see and we'll talk more and more about what it is specifically that you do, but what is the difference when that you see when you put this into the hands of both parents firstly and then the children? What happens? What unfolds for that? Mm, good question. It's a beautiful place of connection. So what happens is I think a lot of us run around at capacity. Yeah. And so we're super busy in life yeah. and we're, you know, we have these beautiful children and if you're blessed enough to have them and, you know, no one tells you actually how hard it is. And then you've also got to provide for them and, you know, school and, and the rest. So it's actually coming back to connection with your children and treating them like little humans, not like past generations. I don't speak badly of my parents, but they did the best that they did with the tools that they had. We were just told to off you go. Don't worry about it. Life's hard. Those throwaway comments. And it teaches you to suppress what's really going on on a deep neurological level and an embodiment level. So I'm teaching parents to, number one, regulate themselves yeah, and be able to fill their cup to hold space. And then two, be that role model for their children and also ask, because it does take a village or a tribe or whatever language you want to use for that to help. You can have the best parents in the world, but genetically we tune out our family. We're like, yeah. they to do something, we say no. Or if they tell us that they love us and they're proud of us, we're like, oh, you have to say that. So having beautiful role models for our, for our children that they look up to and get inspired by is also my passion. It's just I want a tidal wave of children's coaches out there in their own way, stepping forward and helping them navigate through life while they're going through it, not after. Them, yeah, you know? yeah. What's the consequences of, you know, we all grew up, as you said, we all grew up, we're, we're products of the generations we're born into. Our parents absolutely did what they could with the tools that they had. We're quite privileged, I think, now to have the space and the time to understand what now needs to happen for us to be fully functioning humans. When we shift gears to thinking of our children as little humans rather than just children, what's the first thing that you notice changes in the parents or the people surrounding them with that, that's shifting gears? I think it's a beautiful place of honesty. Mm. We don't have to hide anything. Yeah, I share everything with my children at the appropriate ages. They know about my addiction. They know about my mistakes. We unpack. We're vulnerable. Yeah, and showing that we're human beings too. And if we don't know whether the answer, that we will go and find it and search for it. So if we're showing them that you know I need help and I need my own therapy and counselors and supportive community, we're showing them how to do that. And then they become. And I always always said this to my kids: You're my best friends. Like I got to create you but you are my best friend. And they're like, no, we're not, especially my autistic one. He can't comprehend that. <laughs> I'm his son and that's it. But they are because, you know, they're little humans that we created and that energetic field is so beautiful that we should treat them as such. And then it gives them also the safety to be able to express themselves and not hide things. Children tend to think that they need to hide things because, you know, parents and, and even teachers are the authority. So when we do this and we show them that there's a celebration and honesty and journeying and mistakes, if you want to call them that, and the growth, then they come along with you. And that bond is so deep. And I have, you know, I've got a 16-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a two-year-old. And 
I get so such good feedback and I am super proud of this. My kids are so they're really good humans. Yeah. And after all my stuff ups, I won't swear on here, but after all my stuff ups, you know, I've still raised beautiful humans because I've continued to do the work and hold space for them. And so that's where I feel like that parents need the support as well because they yeah. need to heal and they need to do their work and then show the children how to. I love this so much. So one of the things that just came up for me then is we do come from a generation where things were suppressed. We do, and just as much as previous generations, which is why we learned the model behavior we learned. Many of us have got big backstories and we've got mistakes that we made and things that go like that. The biggest challenge for so many women that I see is number one, they're in a voice and we'll actually circle back that later. But the other one is the shame that comes with having made mistakes, the shame that comes with having made dramatic mistakes, public mistakes, things you can't hide from, or the things that are behind closed doors. How did you, there's two parts to this question, how did you navigate moving through that shame of the shame that's put on us by external forces about what we've done? Mm -hmm. And then how do you see other women holding themselves back in that shame? Wow, that's a a beautiful one. I'll talk about the shame in women first because that's what, you know, I I feel that in my heart and I want to cry. Unfortunately, a lot of women, you know, that's the way we're conditioned. We think that we're, you know, to act a certain way, behave a certain way for our partners, for our children. And also, you know, social media is amazing in some ways, but it's also really toxic. And there's a lot of shame and guilt and judging out there. So we're super afraid to be judged. So unless we have the strength and the confidence and the capacity to hold ourselves, you can't really expect someone to go and share their story unless they've done that inner work and also have a supportive network themselves. Absolutely. So I believe that my, you know, I'm, I have a beautiful supportive network. I have the confidence and the strength, but that's been something that I've continued to work on. And secondly, it was super, super scary for me. When I first came out and started talking about my addiction, even my mom and my dad were like, do you want to do that? You know, because it was, you know, that was something that we dealt with in home by ourselves, you know, paper bag, bottom shelf. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. And I'm like, but this is what I'm meant to do. I'm meant to tell my story. So for me, it was a calling to be able to do that. But I still get super triggered about some deep vulnerabilities that go on in my relationship with my wife. And then I do share or things that go on in regard to, you know, me being a pole dancer, sometimes sharing that, I'm like, am I going to get shame because I work with kids, but I'm a mother and I'm allowed to be, you know, I'm a woman as well. I'm allowed to be sexy. So there is that culture, but I believe that if you surround yourself in the right circles, you have that, you know, you have that support. There will always be people out there that judge. I think it's just having the capacity to hold yourself in that space. And I have the philosophy of you haven't really made it until you've got some trolls or you've been <laughs> judging you, right? So yeah, you got to push the bad. And yeah. then the other thing is, you know, as long as the good outweigh the bad, like I get so many personal posts, like I put a lot of positivity out there, but when I get really deep and vulnerable, when I've lost my shit, when I've, you know, stuff's gone on and I post about the real stuff, my inbox gets flooded and like, Nicole, I'm so grateful that you shared that. Like, that's hilarious. Yeah. Thank you for that. So people want the real stuff. They don't just want the the Instagram glossed over stuff. They need to see that. And knowing for me, I guess Ashy Vines is one of my influencers. I thought if I post and one person gets something out of this, then I'm done. Do you know what I mean? If I put a video or a live up and somebody gets something from it, then that's what I was meant to do that day. So Yeah, absolutely. philosophy that I follow. And so many times I've actually experienced myself that when something really lands as a message I've got to get out, the minute I post it, someone messages or comments saying, oh, I really needed to hear this today. It's like, okay, the message wasn't even for me. It was actually for the person who's receiving it. 
One of the things we work a lot with women, and I really love that you talked about you need connection and network and community and support because we have this framework that I walk people through. If you want to make an impact, there's actually certain things that have to come into play. And the first one is actually connection. Mm. So if you're not connecting, you don't know who your community and your inner circle is, then you actually can't make a sustainable impact. You can't actually take everything that comes with it. So connection is number one. Number two is compassion and particularly self-compassion. So your ability to be compassionate towards others is directly correlated to your level of self-compassion. And we walk through that. The biggest thing that happens with self-compassion is we have to actually learn how to dance with the inner critic. We actually have to learn how to speak with the inner critic, not try to ignore it, not try to suppress it, all that sort of stuff. What do you say to women who say, yeah, Nick, I get that you've got this great big story and I get that you're doing this thing really well, and but you don't understand me and you don't understand what's going on in my own mind, in my own heart. And that, as we know, is just that inner critic. What do you say to women to shift them forward and encourage them to learn to embrace that inner critic? How do they take the fear out of the the hold that that voice has on them? Mm, I guess well, every single person is different. I'm very intuitive when I work with people, but it's feeling into that. Like you're allowed to feel the feelings that you feel. You're allowed to have those voices. I like to correlate it to like, you know, the, the devil and the God or the, the light and the dark and embracing that they're both there to serve a purpose. There is no right or wrong. It's not, you know, good or bad. And yeah, there is always going to be that shadow side, that ego, that one that wants to keep us low, that wants to uh, pull us back. But it's the light, like when you can really get out of your head and into your heart. So I'm all about heart space. Your heart will speak your truth. Your heart will know your courage and your heart will have those right words. If that's not making sense to them, I love referring them back to Outwitting the Devil by... I can't believe you just raised that. That's one of my favourite books. Yeah, so if you listen yeah. to that on YouTube by Napoleon Hill, he explains it well. Like we are so yeah. conditioned in society, so some of the negative talk that we have is not even ours. It comes from school, politics, from the from TV. So, you know, that negative voice wants to keep us low and as we grow and challenge and that light comes out and comes even more confident and courage. The dark will come up as well and it will try and get more ferocious. So it's understanding that they're both there and they're both there to serve a purpose. But what also is there is like how badly do you want whatever you you know you want to achieve in your life? You've got to face that fear. And every time you face one, then a new challenge will come up and that's okay. So what is it? Every new level brings a new devil. Absolutely. Beautiful coach told me that one. Yeah. Yeah, just knowing that but having a curiosity about it not being weighed down by it, like just ask the questions. So just chatting to a beautiful client this morning and I said, whatever you're going through, you just need to feel what you need to feel, but have a curiosity about it. Don't let it weigh you down. Ask why is why have I brought this to myself? Like why have I got this negative thing going in my head? And then obviously I would highly encourage a beautiful therapy session. Like I love inner child work, breath work, hypnotherapy, yeah. whatever, because that's how I've learned from my stuff. Everybody has their own aha moments in them they just need the right coach and guide and you don't need anybody to tell you what to do you just need someone to listen and hold space and draw it out ask the right questions so highly recommend doing that in a work yeah what breaks your heart Nick because you obviously you obviously witness to a lot of things and uh, through a lot of people and their children and community you've got your own massive backstory what actually breaks your heart about the world that you're navigating at the moment and the difference you want to make mm breaks my heart that you know you can actually you can tell a lot by looking into somebody's eyes and when I see a little kid and they've already disengaged and they've been mm. trauma and their eyes are not there their body is there 
yet you can't connect to them. And whatever they've been through and whether they're in community homes or housing or, you know, they've got trauma at home, you can literally sense and feel that. And every little child deserves to feel loved and safe and be, you know, have somebody proud of them. And I was at school one time and this one child who had massive behaviours and big behaviours and I had this little journey with him. And when I told him that I was proud of him, he looked at me with these big eyes and he said, really, no one's ever said that to me before. Uh, And I was like, oh. So for me, there's such a gap in, uh, especially obviously we're here in Australia, but I'm sure it's across the world, there's such a gap for our youth to feel loved and supported and seen And sometimes, unfortunately, the parents or the caregivers can't give that to them. So why are we not stepping in? You know, it's 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 just yeah. There's I hate seeing that lost look, especially you know I love working with adults, but when you empower a child with your presence or your just holding space for them and they light up, I could cry. My whole nervous system lights up. So that's you know that's that's really like it's just those little differences. It could be one word or one conversation that you have with them or a hug even. Yeah, makes the difference. Yeah, because they've seen and loved and heard in that that time. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because as better humans, as adults, we we actually understand that that's what we're deeply craving. Yet we don't stop and think enough about it about the presence of that for the children in our world. Mm. When we originally spoke, you talked about as well one of the key parts of what you do is get a child to a state where they have choice and they give permission and they say yes. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I loved it because yours is very similar. So my four-step modality is connect, empower, play, and grow. So it's something that I came up with that I've navigated for the last eight years and it's a foolproof way. Children quite often don't get choice. And so when you have a child that you think that needs some help emotionally or behaviorally, nothing worse than dragging that child to another doctor, another OT psych, and they don't get a choice. And you're like, here you go, sit with them and tell them your story. I always offer a free console and it doesn't matter if they're two, I work that around that and we play on the, the ground with, you know, sounds and sensors or all the way up to 18. They sit here in my chairs and I let them interview me. And if they're, you know, if they're teenagers, I can talk to them about my journey with the parents' permission. If they're younger, I work at their level and I say, do you know what an interview is? You know, you get to ask me anything and I get to tell you anything and you get to pick me. And if you don't want to work with me, then I'll find you someone better. And because I do have a beautiful network, you know, there might be somebody that wants to work with a male role model or something like that. But because I do that and they can feel that I am from that heart space and I'm so genuinely wanting for them to work on their stuff and feel seen, they always pick me. They come running up to my door and they knock on the door before they get to the car. I want to work with you. And that then means I can do anything. I can play games. I can do sports. I can do whatever. I can do deep therapy work. I can do. They will connect because they've already chosen me. Yeah. So that's the one thing that I teach all my students. They can find their own niches and their own way of, you know, what they're offering for their services. But the connect and power play grow is something that I just really, yeah, want to take worldwide. It's it's so important to allow that empowerment. Why do you think there's not more of that when it comes to our children? I think that it's just a generational thing. I think that it's, yeah. you know, kids are, you know, go back to a catchphrase, seen and not heard. You know, I'm the boss of you. I was saying some like throwaway comments, like, you know, I can make another one just like you. Like my dad. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's be honest, those of us who are parents, who are, as you said, lucky enough to be parents, we've all been guilty of that from time to time. Like, you know, like, I'm the boss. Like, you're not the boss. Like, you know, it's just, 
the way that we were kind of conditioned and raised to, you know, and even teachers, you know, they disempower, you know, I'm the teacher, you're the student. We can learn from our kids, you know, and, and allowing them to open up yeah. is the biggest part of it. But I think there's definitely a shift because there's so many families looking for other alternatives now and looking for play therapy and different ways to really connect and, and support their kids going through what they're going through. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a little human at all? I'm going to say little humans now because I love that rather than children. Is there a little human at all that's really lodged themselves into your heart with all the work that you've done that you've really... Oh, my God. Heaps. Heaps and heaps. Yeah. Heaps. But there's one beautiful soul and my client won't mind me sharing because I've got that proof. Like his, his name is Dwayne. Yeah. And his story is just beautiful. I connected with that family when I was working in the school and just saw that, you know, not only was the mum struggling with his diagnosis and disability and, and whatever else, and even the school, and just by being that person to hold space for the mother and, and say that she was doing a good job and, and connecting built on. And now he's one of my, you know, clients that I see every week and he's completely changed him. He's got his own personal stories of medication. He's on CB oil. He's not aggressive. He's not a runner. Now he, opens up and talks and has jokes but yes you know calls me his girlfriend it's just the most adorable thing but he's definitely got my heart and I absolutely love him if I was still working in education I wouldn't be able to have that bond or that connection with with the family or the child to be able to be really available you know they can message me anytime and and I'll get back to them obviously when it's you know when I can but to have that support because some people don't have it you know no they really don't and so connecting to families like that is what I'm here to do. So when it comes to Dwayne and just to give our audience a bit of a lowdown, because this isn't just a matter of, you know, we're not happy with how he's behaving. Paint a picture of Dwayne when you met him. So Dwayne has a diagnosis of DeVette's syndrome. So he has multiple seizures a day, multiple. multiple okay. Seizures. Yeah. And so he was highly aggressive, basically had to hold him down and sit on him, which is awful. You know, you obviously need parents and doctors approval for that kind of uh, things but when he was really really aggressive he was and he was quite big for you know eight I think he was when I met him I was working as an SSO with multiple aides and teachers in him he was in a disability unit in the school he didn't want to come in out the car we had to coax him and you'd get these snippets of reality he was on a lot of medication he was delusional he'd see like things above his head and he'd be fighting them and just through that constant like you know you know, love. I used to always say that. I don't know if I was meant to at school or not, but I'd say, I love you. Look how beautiful you are now. And he was in his calm moments and also, you know, supporting the mother through that time, that connection, he felt obviously super safe with me, you know, at school and in his calm moments. And yeah, just to see that, you know, that, that beautiful little soul struggling so much. Yeah. Obviously he's got his own personal story as to the whys and whatever else, but yeah, he did. He was on 24 medications a day. <gasps> oh my God. And throughout the mother's pushing for it, he did get uh, detoxed off all that through a hospital, like not, not whatever. And now he's on like CB oil and he's a completely different child. And he's like, he was cognitively tested at three when he was eight and he's back up to about six or seven. He's 10 now and he's got his personality back and he's, you know, not aggressive and he's not a runner and you can have proper conversations with him. But that's purely through always connecting as well and playing and talking about emotions. And we did, you know, breath and meditation and just different games. And yeah, I've kind of become part of the family, to be honest, and just love him. And to see that growth and he's mischievous now and he has jokes and he tells you stories, whereas before he couldn't. 
Yeah. And that's just from, yeah. And we obviously work on a lot of different things. It's not just emotional, it's cognitive stuff, it's reading, it's writing, it's everything in between. But to to be that support for another family and for another child, like it's that's the gift in itself. Yeah. There's a much higher, as we know, there's a much higher incidence of children, for want of a better word, not behaving to the norms in wherever we look at the moment. So for families who are really challenged by that, who are caught in that, you know, specialist roundabout, the constant medication, the increasing of medications, all of these things that are just making life, it's got to be a series of controlled measures and everything's about stress. What do you say to them about how to take a first move to start looking at different possibilities? Because there's so many families out there that are so stressed with children behavior. And yes, some of it comes back to the parents, but the system we're working in doesn't help either. So what do you say to the parents that are in the middle of hell with children that just can't break through and out of these, you know, not these, I guess, the behavioral norm, the behaviors that we don't want. Yeah. So I love to send them like my five day free program that I have, which has got like different games and and ways and languages that you can use providing space for the parents so that they know that they're number one doing a good job because they're obviously asking for help or looking for other things because yeah, a lot of that's not out there. Um, Just very quickly, we'll make sure the links in the show notes for that, for those people who are listening. Okay, beautiful. Beautiful. I always offer a personal approach. So I love doing a free consult to see whether I'm either right to work with their family or one of my students is, but every child is different. So I don't give a a blanket. I like to unpack and really talk about what's going on for them. If I can offer some free advice or where to look, but it is kind of a lonely world because, you know, they get told that behaviors are not okay. And, you know, if it's school, then, you know, sometimes they get, you know, sent home or expelled and they get kind of trapped in their own four walls, which makes it worse. So I strongly encourage to keep looking and go with your soul because obviously I'm not a medical practitioner, so I can't comment on, you know, doctors and diagnosis and the rest, but I do know what works works. And so that a lot of holistic stuff, you know, even if it's just, you know, oils and crystals and pendulums and and breath and presence makes a big, big deal. And there's a lot of free stuff out there, you know, when you want to, you know, YouTube as well, because that's the other thing. Some people say I don't have the money. There's a lot of free stuff out there meditations and, and the rest and games that you can play with kids and even storybooks came up to your best friend yeah there's some great emotional regulation books and stuff out there playing with colors for emotions helping your child embody it and just not making it a massive big deal like you know celebrate it it's okay that you're angry and we're going to work through that it's okay yeah. that this is going on I don't have the answer I'm going to help you find it those types of things make it better than just be like I can't deal with this, go away from me, or it's too much and now the school, you know, do you know what I mean? Don't shut down with it. Yeah. Continue to ask is probably what I do say. Continue to ask for help. And I'm going to go there. How much of this is down to the fact that most of us as parents don't understand or don't know that we need to self-regulate? Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. So I did, you know, develop a parent program. I do work very closely and I say mothers only for the fact that 99% of the time it is mothers that bring, but I mean, dads, carers, parents, anybody that wants the help, they need the tools too. They don't know what they don't know. Yeah. So if they're using positive language. So if, you know, most of the time when a mother first brings their child to me and they say, my child's having anxiety or having a meltdown, 99% of the time the mum's got anxiety and having meltdowns too. Yeah. So we need a kind of across the board and help and support because they will model what you're doing. And so offering that support to the parents and saying, hey, do you want to jump in on the session and do the breath or the meditation or listen or, you know, learn? I always try and encompass that as well. 
But yeah, the thing is parents will always pay for their kids first. Yeah. And then it's a beautiful opening to chat to them about, you know, family therapies and connections and the rest of things that that go on. But yeah, a lot of it is modeled behavior. Yeah. Not all because some kids do have diagnosis and they're very specific to their ODD or ADHD. I get that. So yeah, I work on a one-on-one basis, but yeah, hundred percent look at all the things. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that, you know, we do is we're really about amplifying the voices of women, which is also, you know, you work a lot with mothers predominantly with their children, but when it comes to the work that you do, who's kind of as a strong female, who's inspiring you at the moment? Who actually has your attention? Whether it's somebody who speaks, somebody who's doing amazing work that we should all know about, who is it that really gets your attention in the world right now from a female perspective? Honestly, one of my fellow coaches I'm in a container with, Miranda Marriott. Yeah. She's in Melbourne and she's an alchemist and she inspires women and she's a mama bear herself and she really embodies spirituality and manifestation and knowing that you can actually achieve anything that you want. Yeah as a mother as well, really just a beautiful human. I know there's some really big coaches. I don't have the time to follow them in my community. But I really love this because one of the things that I do love is when you actually identify that it's somebody just next door to you, somebody sitting in the seat next to you. Like that is, I think, uh, because that creates that first thing that you talked about, which is connection, Mm. right? So it's not this incredible thing that your person or profile that you're following on social. It's not someone that's like on a pedestal that you want to be like one day. It's quite literally. Oh, I want to be like it. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It's more about my inspiration is sitting beside me. I have connection and I'm deeply involved with this. What is your hope for your own future? What do you see in your future, Nick? Yeah. So I run my own program where I teach others to do what I do within Australia with leveraging NDIS. So that's going beautifully. My hope is that I can create my own master coaches that they run that program for me. And that I be on the world stage speaking about how important it is for holistic healing and to create, you know, a world full of children's coaches. You know, I want to shift the change of people just looking at adults to do the healing work with and the the coaching and the the trauma work. I want to change the world's perspective and looking at that we actually have kids from really young ages to, to help and support through this work as well. And that's so important. Yeah, I love the idea of a world of kids coaches, like, you know, just flooding the world with kids coaches. How will the world be different when that happens? Oh, I just get shivers. Could you imagine a world full of beautiful, embodied, self-regulated humans that connect and empower each other and support each other because they've been taught that from a young age and that celebrate, you know, wins and losses so that we all cultivate together that can hold their capacity for differences of opinions without, you know, the need for disputes or aggression and to to nurture each other when others need help you know yeah so many people just turned a blind eye or, or in that victim mentality because they don't know what they don't know so if we're teaching our children that it's okay to feel what they need to feel express what they need to feel to go deeper into their emotions and to find their own passion and purpose yeah like that just lights me up yeah it will be a completely different energy shift to the world yeah absolutely and it feels so necessary at the moment when you look around the the global landscape. Nick, you did mention, you know, big story, addiction, moving yourself out of addiction. Obviously, there's a whole lifetime of experience before that. When you think about the younger version of Nick, mm. what if that 
girl have you brought through with you that still exists within you today that you love? I love that I've always had a confidence with my voice. Yeah. I've learned to navigate it better now, but I, <laughs> <laughs> that I have a confidence to ex- to express myself. Yeah. And because of that, I think that I'm a really good teacher, facilitator. Yeah. Was that present when you were little? Did you always speak up and speak out? Yeah, I was, you know, yeah, I did. I remember, you know, getting triggered and yelling at my teachers <laughs> <laughs> and expressing things that were going on for me right from a, from a young age. You know, it didn't take a lot to, to get my truth out. Um, yeah, so having that that voice, I'm now obviously way more connected to my truth and to, and, to, and how to express it, but that feistiness and that courage to step into that I still feel that in my belly today amazing I love that now we've spoken very briefly about you know your next is all about creating a world full of kids coaches what is it next for you personally what's going to give you greater satisfaction we we catch up in five years time we're having a glass of champagne somewhere Mm. is it that you're celebrating that you've been able to achieve personally with your conviction about the health of our little humans always imagine me like literally being on a world stage you know I guess like Tony Robbins, Karen Ray are talking about kids coaching and doing TED talks and the empowerment of holistic healing and how important it is to you know to model that for children like I'd really just I could just imagine like you know you, we know how many coaches are out there right hundreds yeah thousands of coaches with these great skills and holistic healers and psychics and mediums and Reiki I just want them to shift their attention to the youth and if they did that I just see that tidal wave just shifting the whole energy of the of the planet. So yeah, I honestly see myself traveling the world, sharing my message, being interviewed more on places like this, on you know, getting bigger platforms, having, you know, a lot more followers and being able to be that voice for kids that didn't have don't have it, you know. Yeah. I love that so much. As we wrap up, can I ask you a book or a podcast girl? Podcast all the way. I need a podcast all the way. Audio books. <laughs> I'm going to do stuff while I'm doing stuff. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. So is there a current podcast binge or a previous podcast binge that you'd love to share with the world? Mm, oh, my goodness. I do love Gabriel Bernstein. Yeah. So I've been listening to her, like her actual current book, Happy Days at the moment, but I do listen to her podcast. I think she's amazing. And Mama Regina. So she wrote Reclamation of the Pussy. So that's really Oh, good. yes. I've heard quite a bit about that. I've actually put it on my list. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that's all about our empowerment and embodiment of our femininity. So they're probably two, two women ones that I listen to and think are amazing. I love that. Thank you for that. Now, before we leave, any final words of wisdom, anything that you want to leave with the audience, anything you want to challenge us with? For me, I would just love every person that listens to this to just at the end of this, just take a breath and get out of their head for a second if they wanted to close their eyes, but just feel into their heart. Your heart has so much wisdom and it's a yeah. beautiful, it's not just a place of love. Quite often we we give, and especially if this is a women audience, we are very good at giving and we give out. I want you to open your heart to receive and just be in that space. Like it's such a beautiful energy to be in when we're in our flow and our energy. We get too busy in life. So if you can just take one minute, one second at the end of this to take a breath and just feel into your space that's around your heart. It'll just bring you some joy today. 
I love that so much. And I also love the perspective that our heart holds our wisdom because I think we're so into our head and so dropping into that space because I do know and feel that myself, like dropping to our heart is absolutely about love, but it's also our wisdom. Mm. And I love that. Nicole, thank you so much for being with us today. I've loved the conversation. Can't wait to hear what people think. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Raise 1000 Voices. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation as much as I have. And if you have, then I would love you to subscribe to and rate the show on your favorite platform. Our show notes, resources, and links to all our socials can be found at anygiventuesday.com.au forward slash podcast and if you'd like to join a growing community of clever creative and courageous women who know that they want to be seen heard and remembered then join us in our facebook group raise 1000 voices until we speak again take care and remember you were born to raise your voice